Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, fellow gamers and squad mates. Welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are three dads who are lifelong gamers, and we release three episodes weekly on Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Before we start this bonus round episode, please make sure to toss our show a follow in your podcast app, rate us five stars, and leave a written review. You can also support our show on Patreon and get two bonus episodes monthly. You can go sign up today at MultiplayerSquad.com. I am your host, Paul, and joining me today... He's just loving life out there, running escort quests with NPCs that run at odd speeds. It's Michael. I don't know if they're going <laughs> faster. Like, is it, it's always I'm going in between a sprint and a walk, so you have yep. to like speed up, slow down, speed up, slow down. I bumped into him, and now they're confused. Yeah, I'm confused too. And the fact that Michael loves this as a mechanic has has always uh, really really made me curious as to know what makes Michael tick. I have no explanation on my face at all. No expression. <laughs> Whatever. And joining Michael and me, he loves games that constantly stop his action so he can read tutorial screens and then be stuck still while the game narrates to him. It's Josh. How else am I going to learn how to push a button, you guys? I, I, okay, number one, I got. Are we are we not past the point as gamers when a game says to move? Press WASD. Yeah, right. I think we're is, past that. is that something that's really necessary at this point? No. <laughs> to, to use your controller, use the stick. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, by by the way, gracious, on, yeah, on that, we really have to make a drop out of a little clip from Josh with his. I just want to play the game. Let oh, me play man. the game. <laughs> I in my it's still in my head, and I'm dying every time I hear it. I, I mean, just let me play. That's all I want to do. Oh yeah. In case anyone doesn't know, we are being a little sarcastic here at the beginning. Today is a very special Monday bonus round episode. On these bonus rounds, we tackle any variety of topics. Sometimes we do drafts and tournaments. Sometimes we answer listener questions, or we each bring a top five list of some sort. Today is going to be a little bit more of just a free-flowing conversation. We're going to be talking about gaming mechanics that we really love. And I think it's hard to come up with like a, a sexy title for that, but I think you guys are going to pick up on this pretty quickly. It's basically what makes a game good, right? So today in 2023, you load up a game. What makes you excited to see or experience? In the past, we did do a tournament on gaming trends that we hate. And so this is going to be a little bit of the opposite where we, we get to talk about some mechanics that we love. So 
For example, it might be something like customizing your gun with attachments or games that include a battle royale mode. I mean, I don't know. I'm just throwing out some some bad examples. But we're going to be getting into this in just a minute or two here. Before we do that, Josh, I think you have a review to read. I do have a review to read. If you have not left us a review yet, please take a few seconds to leave us a review. It really, really helps the podcast. It helps other people know that, hey, this is a good gaming podcast. And honestly, we kind of just love hearing what you all think about the show as well. So um, good chance that we'll read it on the show as well as we do. And this one is titled Best Podcast Five Stars. And it comes in from Ed God the Best. And it says, <laughs> this name. is one of the best podcasts I have ever listened to. It is good for all the latest news. And I would recommend this to everyone who's into gaming. Lots of thanks. I'm Vin Utz brother. Vin Utz brother. You may have seen us on Discord. And Terraria made us fall in love with gaming in 2015. And we have loved it ever since. We really enjoyed your episode on it. P.S. Please do another prank episode. oh man oh that was one of our most beloved episodes josh that was a two-man show just you and me it was man yep i still remember we called it terraria hysteria because uh (laughs) we were being all creative with our titles back then (laughs) (laughs) Uh, was terraria even mentioned on the episode or no on in the Terraria well, episode, yeah, the Terraria. Uh, episode. Josh is thinking about the Terraria episode. I was referring to the oh, pranks you meant the episode. Pranks? Oh, the pranks but, episode uh, is they a were both classic, good man. The pranks. We might have to do uh, another one at some point. I've, <laughs> I've actually stolen your shower curtain idea and oh, used yeah, yeah. it to at multiple like New Year's party. I went over with a shower curtain, the Jeff Goldblum one with the with the monkey uh, or the gorilla. <laughs> yep, and I absolutely <laughs> used that because I heard it on the show. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's one of my Before favorite I was even on the show. Yeah, it was great. Oh, man. I actually recently was looking at the worst books on Amazon, and one of them is like a romance novel of a woman who falls in love with the coronavirus. And I don't remember the name of it. And I was like, I got to order like five of these books and just start leaving them at my friend's houses, like on a coffee table. I love just silly little pranks like that. It's It's so fun. All right, and Michael, do we have another Streamer of the Week segment for today? <laughs> streamer of the Week. <laughs> we don't have a drop for that, so I made my own music. But yes, Beautiful. we do. And, you know, uh, we love our community here. We love listening to what you folks say. We talked about Minecraft a lot in Discord over the last week. And so, you know what? We found ourselves a Minecraft streamer, you know, because there's an upcoming release coming up that was outstanding, and his name is Dave Guy underscore. It's all one word. Don't worry about trying to write it down while you're driving. We'll put the information in the description below. But Dave's unique because uh, he's crazy active in his chat, which we always love, but he has some really unique and different approaches to what he builds. Like, he likes to really focus on combining original technical builds with still keeping it aesthetically pleasing and so forth. And so, I just thought it was really interesting. I think you will find Dave guy interesting as well so go check him out and when you do tell him the multiplayer podcast sent you actually watched a little bit of his stream earlier today he was doing half heart hardcore mode uh which i (laughs) thought man that's gutsy because i i would not do that i'm not that good at minecraft but it was really cool i was his chat was popping off super cool guy active uh really really fun streamer to watch so definitely go check him out yeah, I don't even know what that means, the half-heart <laughs> hardcore mode. <laughs> it sounds scary. Is that your max health, just half a heart? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And hardcore yeah. means if you die, your world is over. Oof. 
yeah, I'm not a huge Minecraft player, but I don't mind watching other people do it. So yeah, you guys can go check that one out. All right. Now, Michael, I believe that the idea for this episode came from you earlier in this week when we were throwing around bonus round ideas. I think this came as a listener recommendation, right? It did. One of my legendary supporters, Toro, actually put this idea in Discord, which, by the way, if you're not in our Discord, go over to MultiplayerPodcast.com, follow the Discord link, and go there, because it's an awesome community. But we listen to what the Discord folks, our community, say. And Toro was like, hey, have you ever done like a show on gaming mechanics that you like or don't like and we were like well we did the you know like the the episode about like gaming trends that we didn't like and it was like this is a good idea so let's just keep it on things we like you know and uh thanks for the suggestion toro it's great all right so basically for this episode i think we're just gonna go round robin and share our ideas talk through it a little bit who wants the honors of going first today i'll go first Ooh, all right, oh. Michael. I feel like Josh normally throws his name in the ring, so that's why I like I like Michael <laughs> jumping in there. That means he's got an amazing one. I have an amazing I, I number hope so. one. By the way, I may or may not have misread the show doc on this. I thought it was the worst game mechanics, so mm. everything I say is going to be. I love it when games don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Yeah, the first thing that I do have is absolutely one of my favorites. The first time I ever noticed this was in a small game by Guerrilla Gaming uh, called Horizon Zero Dawn. There may be a few examples of this coming, but I love it when there is an immersive tutorial. Like, the tutorial exists within the game. We're playing Hogwarts uh, Legacy right now, and that's a very easy one because you're a student, so it's a very you know native world where you're going to be learning how to cast spells and do things inside that world. And so it's like, oh, as you learn this spell, learn how to cast it. Hold down this trigger and do that. It's very natural. In Horizon, it's cool because you're a little kid, and you go around with your father figure who's called Ross, and he's like, Aloy, here's how you hold a bow. And you learn how to do that in the game. I love it when games do that and keep it within the story immersively, because there's a lot of games that just like to be like, oh, you've come across a box. Press X to open the box. Well, it's not immersive in the world. And so, I don't know. That's what I wanted to start off with. It's just, it's one of those things that I just absolutely think is the best when they align gameplay with story in an immersive way. Are there any games that stand out to you, Josh, that have really good tutorials or opening levels? I was going to say, not to fanboy with Michael, but uh, Horizon Zero Dawn has one of the best I've seen. And honestly, Hogwarts Legacy does it really well to, to talk about a recent release. I remember thinking like, Hogwarts Legacy is fairly complex in a lot of different systems and what you can do, but they do such a good job of introducing new things to you in a fun way. And mm-hmm. all they're really doing is saying, this is how you manage spell sets, you know, or you reveal something or you, you know, use a heal or you can use the fast travel map and here's how you unlock fast travel points and all that stuff. And it's funny because I joked at the beginning of the show about games that tell you to you know to move press WASD <laughs> why are you telling people that like, i mean you're 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 spending programming man hours to tell people how to move like is is somebody whose very very first video game experience ever hogwarts legacy like like where they're like hey we have to tell you how to move forward 
Like I, I like I get it sometimes, but then other times it's almost frustrating. It's like, dude, I don't need a tutorial. I've been gaming for longer than I care to admit, <laughs> you know, as far as that goes. But some games you do need that instruction, I, you know, and it's like, hey, this is how our game works. Here's the mechanics that we're going to throw at you. And so a way to provide that in a fun, you know, meaningful way, I think, is definitely a nice touch. I think another game that really stands out to me for having a really great opening level is Dragon Age Origins. And it's not even so much teaching you everything about the gameplay and the combat, but simply the fact that the game can start out with so many different storylines. So you can play as a dwarf or an elf or a human, and even within those, there's different backgrounds. And all of them have different characters But they all serve the same purpose, which is to teach you about the world at large and to introduce the whole idea of the Dark Spawn and the Grey Wardens. And that game really encourages you to just start 12 different saves just to experience all the different origin stories. But yeah, like there's nothing worse than a game like Forspoken where they immediately hit the brakes and they're preventing you from playing the actual game. Just get out of your own way. Let us run around in the world. Give us just some interesting hook right off the bat. We're gamers. We'll we'll be fine with it. The last thing we want are tutorial windows up the wazoo. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great one, Michael. I think that's a really good first one to pull up. What about you, Josh? What what do you have coming up here? Um man, I got so many I want to talk about here. Um, okay, I got one because I absolutely love when games have this, and that's a skill tree. Like, give me a game where I have a skill tree or multiple skill trees. I will nerd out like nobody's business, man. I absolutely love the idea that I can craft a game to the style that I want to play it. You know, and you have given me these cool mechanics, and they usually come with spells or combat and abilities and stuff like that. But basically, what you're doing is you're saying, hey, here's, here's an ability, here's a spell. Oh, do you want to customize that to how you'd like it to be? Sure, go ahead. And I absolutely love that in games. Outriders had one of the best skill trees that I can remember in recent memory because your skill tree in that game would determine how you played. And it would drastically swing the game from like weapons based to like ability based, you know, in these builds that you could do. Um Hogwarts Legacy, just to bring it up again, because we're all playing it right now. Now they don't they they do have skill trees, they call them talents, and they're very, very small. Mm-hmm. But I still love that even. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just I love the ability to customize like gameplay elements to the way that I want to play it. Do I want to go all just fire-based and explosions and have that chain to other people? If I have a skill tree that lets me do that, great. Do I want to go, you know, super tanky and maybe I'm not doing a ton of damage, but, you know, I can absorb a ton of damage and I don't have to really be on point with dodges and blocks and stuff like that. You know, if you give me a skill tree that lets me spec into that, I I just I love it, man. So any game that incorporates that I find to just really resonate well with me. I have a good example of that. Actually, I have a game that gives a good and a bad example of that, and it's World of Warcraft. When it first came out, up until I think Cataclysm, the skill tree was immense. A lot of people thought it was confusing because there were so many things you can do, but in that light, a major strength. Like I'll give an example. I had a buddy who played a Fury Warrior, and that's when you can use two, uh, two two-handers. That's the whole specialty thing of it. 
And instead, he found a way by like basically breaking into the code, looking at the math and stuff, and he's like, I know a way that I can go very unorthodox. Nobody tells you to do this online. And he used two one-handers, and he was like the top DPS on the server by doing something so outside the box. Now, Blizzard thought that was too complex, so right after that expansion, they went back to like a Diablo-esque where it was much more simple. Still a nice skill tree, but you couldn't customize as much. But I do hear they brought it back with the most recent expansion, the old skill tree, although I haven't played that game in a long time, and I probably won't because then I wouldn't be on this podcast because I wouldn't play any other games. <laughs> One of the biggest problems with World of Warcraft's skill tree, especially back then, was the enormous cost to get your points back. And that is a trend right. that has kind of died off. Most of these games now give you a skill tree and they give you a pretty easy mechanic to refund your points. And in some instances, like Outriders, you could refund all your points at any point and rebuild Which your I guy love. out. I that love, is man. so helpful when you yeah. play games. I get, yeah. I get paralysis if I can't respec. Like, uh, legitimately, I will just save up skill points. To where I have like 10 of them because I get so paralyzed and like, well, what if I don't like the build that I go into? Then what do I do? Yep. But if I can respec, and I don't even mind if you have to pay for it. Just give me the ability to do it. I'll work for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm doing I mean? that. I'm doing that in Hogwarts right now. I have like 10 levels of skills because you can't respec in that game. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to be important later. So I'm just going to keep a reserve just like you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. So I just, I love the customization. I like the theory crafting that a, a good complex skill tree gives you. Yeah. I think that's a really good choice, Josh. I, I love me a good skill tree. But you know what I like even more than skill trees? I got an alternative for this, Josh. Abilities or gear that level up because you use them instead of using a skill tree. This is one of my favorite mechanics. It is actually on my list. It's it's a little bit further down my <laughs> list, but I mean, what Skyrim, right? For people that yep. want to know what this means, Skyrim uh, yeah. was one of the games that really, really brought this to the forefront. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of games that have done it, but is there is there a game that jumps out to you like instantly, Paul? Oh, yeah. I think there's a, a few really good examples. I remember when Grand Theft Auto San Andreas came out. And me and my wife's cousins would just sit down and play it for hours. And we loved riding the bicycle. And every time we would start a new save, the first thing we would do is jump on that bicycle and start riding or go to the gym and start pumping iron because your guy would get stronger and bigger. And the whole idea of that being in a game seemed so cool to me because... Yes, I understand from a gameplay mechanic why you would have a skill tree, but it feels more immersive that your player would get better at something through practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. And to me, that felt so much more immersive, and I really loved that. So San Andreas is like an early example, but there's tons of games that still do this today. Valheim is a great Valheim example. Was, that came to mind for me. Yeah. The mm -hmm. more you swim, your swim rating goes up, and now you can swim longer without needing to take a breath. Uh, a, a great example with gear, Apex Legends, they have all the different body shields, right? Well, they added the Evo shield, which starts out really low and garbage, but as you do damage, it levels up over the course of the match where it can actually become the strongest shield in the game. So I really love when games have this. I was trying to search for this on Google. Like, it's kind of a hard concept to Google. 
you know, uh, level yeah. up while yeah. you use abilities. Skill, skill leveling right. by using yeah. skills. <laughs> uh, apparently, it's called activity-based progression. So that's the official oh. term. Yeah, oh, so sure. there you go. The more you know. I learned I learn something new <laughs> <Right>? today. <laughs> I mean, oh, it just totally good... makes sense, though. The more you use your bow, the better you're uh, at a bow, bowmanship. That's the word now. Uh, the better yeah. bowmanship you have. And like, the, yeah, exactly. The more you sneak, the better you are at sneaking. I think it makes so much sense. And I love immersion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, uh, the only example I can think of where this went wrong is World of Warcraft. And I can't believe I'm using World of Warcraft as an example of what not to do twice already in this episode. <laughs> but in Vanilla WoW, it used to be that if you needed to use a weapon, you would have to level up your proficiency. And so if you had never used a one-handed axe before and all of a sudden you equip it, you could not hit high-level enemies. You would have to go back to the early stages, fight level 5 boars to level up your axe to like level 100, go now and fight a level 20 mob. And that was really a nuisance if you got a really good new weapon. You couldn't just use it. You would have to level it up. So I get it. Sometimes it was used wrongly, but I love the idea of trying to get your 10,000 hours, so to speak, with your ability to make it better. I would, yeah, I like, I do enjoy that. It can backfire a little bit. This is not slandering this at all, but like, I do remember in like Skyrim just jumping everywhere because it was like, <laughs> oh, I really got to get my jump skill up, my you know, and it's like, or whatever. I'm yeah. not jumping that much in a normal video game, but it's like, I'm bunny hopping for miles because it's like, <laughs> gotta raise that jump skill up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like in EverQuest, there was a place to you level up swimming in the Oasis of Mar. You could lock it into where you just swam perfectly in this one pillar. <laughs> you would leave and go to work for the day while your character's swimming. You came back and you were like, yes, just three more days of this EverQuest and I'll be at 200 <laughs> swimming. Oh, my like 16 hours later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, what you got coming up? So this one it might be a little bit of a shorter one, but I think that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of games that uh, deploy or employ deploy. Man, words are hard today. Uh, do cover mechanics really well. But more recently, we're seeing games with cover mechanics that work so much better than they used to. So more immersive cover mechanics. And I'll give an example. Like if you're running and you go into crouch mode, your character kind of slides behind the wall. It makes a lot of sense. Or even more so, which is something that Hogwarts is doing well, um, that uh, Horizon does well. I'm not going to keep using these two examples. But like most games, when you're in cover and you want to hop over a wall, you hop over the wall and your character's standing straight up going like, hey guys, here I am. But I like it when games allow you to still do things like hop over a wall or you know, run somewhere real fast and still be in cover without breaking the cover. Because just because you hit the X button to hop over a wall, you're not dropping out of cover and being like, hey, guys, just shoot me. Didn't Gears of War kind of have that? I feel like that had a good system to run from cover to cover. I feel like the I feel like the term for it is called sticky cover, is that where what it is? the game knows that you want to take cover against this object. So it'll kind of stick you to the box or it'll stick you to the wall. Um. You know, Gears of War did that really well because your guy would kind of slam into it and you had that nice like <laughs> feedback from it. Then it became a problem because I, I, I can't think of a game off the top of my head. But what happened was games were trying to incorporate sticky cover, but then they were overdoing it to where I just wanted to run through this doorway. But because mm. I was close to a wall, my character like takes cover on the wall all of a sudden. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to take cover. 
Like, just, oh, yeah. just run through the doorway, you know? A way, out, so, a way Out was terrible at that. When I played A Way Out, I'm like, just go through the door, stop covering. Yeah. And it was like, you had to almost jump when you have to jump off the wall. <laughs> yeah. I feel like some games have really found a good balance. Uh, Cyberpunk does yeah. really well, where yeah. if you're just near a ledge, it's almost like a soft cover system where it's like, okay, clearly this guy is so close to the wall, they're trying to take cover. And if you just move a little bit, it puts you back in normal gameplay. But yeah, it's hard to find that right spot on the pendulum where it's not too sticky and not too loose. So I feel like Cyberpunk did it really well. Yeah, I'm more talking about also, not as much the sticky cover, uh, cover, sticky cover mechanic, but like... In Horizon, if Aloy wants to quickly climb up a ladder to get to the top of a ledge and silent strike an enemy, if I'm crouching at the bottom of the ladder, when she gets to the top of the ladder, she's still crouching when she gets up there. And it's like, okay, it knows that I don't want to just hop up there and be like, hey, guys, shoot me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, very nice. All right, Josh, what you got? I got, dude, this one is such a simple, simple thing, and it makes all the difference in the world to me because we have recently run into this and that is the ability to pause a game at any time if it's a single player game dude undoubtedly dude without fail i'm in a cutscene. i've been playing the game i've been running around fighting and all of a sudden all that part's done and it goes to a cutscene, and the characters start talking and then somebody in my family walks into the office because they need to tell me something Right. And then this is where I go, uh, uh, wait, shh, 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 don't say anything. And then they're like, oh, okay. Cause they understand it's a five minute cutscene. Yeah. You know what I mean? My poor wife is sitting there just standing still, like waiting for this thing to end. And it's like, why can I not just hit escape and the game pauses right in the middle of the cutscene so that I can go, hey, what do you need? Or, or I got to pee. Like, let me pause this real quick. I don't understand games that don't let you do this. Now, in a multiplayer game, sure, I get it. That's not even a thing. But if I am playing a single player game, I want to be able to pause the game at any time. And when games let you do that, it is such a breath of fresh air. And I know it sounds like the stupidest thing ever to say, like, I love this gaming mechanic. But, dude, it's one of those quality of life things that makes all the difference in the world for something that seems so stupid. It makes so much sense, too. And almost always, it's like a lot of games have quests that will start. You get up to the quest person, and then you'll press, like, X to start the quest. They go into a cutscene. But sometimes in that same game, you'll walk into a room, and bam, the cutscene starts. And you're like, no, 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 no. I wanted to get up and go to the bathroom. No. Yeah. Ah. And you're stuck there watching a cutscene because you cannot pause it during the cutscene. How hard is it to just make it so that you can pause it? Like, okay, I can't change weapons during the cutscene. That's fine, but let me pause it. <laughs> oh, d- did you guys have moments when you were a kid when like your parents were calling you and you're in the middle of a cutscene <laughs> and you're trying to yell like, oh, I'm in a cutscene. And then your parents are like, I don't care. Yeah. You come help get groceries yeah. out of the car. And I hated that so much. There's so many times when I would miss a cutscene and I just... I had no idea. What did I miss? Why all of a sudden is this house on fire? Like, I don't even know what happened. And I also really love being able to press and hold a button to skip cutscenes. Oh, yes. Because you could accidentally hit spacebar and skip a five-minute cutscene on PC back in the day. And I feel like everyone's gotten rid of that, where now it's like, 
press and hold F or something to that extent, which is really nice. Yeah. I will say on the kind of the same vein of the, the same mechanic, if I can skip a line of dialogue without skipping the whole cutscene, that's yeah. huge too, because it's like, oh, there's yeah. always that moment, right? Where it's like, okay, I, I I've read a lot faster than what the character is saying. If I hit space bars, like what's going to happen? And it's like, is it just going to end everything? Like, oh no, I, I, I skipped the entire thing versus like, oh cool. It just went on to the next line of dialogue. That's great. Yeah. I, I cannot agree more. All right. Well, we are going to take a short break and we will be right back with more multiplayer gaming podcast. If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back, and we are up to me here, so continuing our gaming mechanics that we like. I'm going to bring up my number one favorite mechanic in gaming. I thought maybe one of you guys would bring this up first. I am talking about where your choices matter, and it leads to multiple endings to a game. This is by far my number one gaming mechanic because it makes you feel... Like you're actually making a difference in the game. You're not just simply a viewer. You are forming the world around you. And I think that it always makes your playthrough feel more unique and more real. And the endings matter so much more because you know how you got where you are. And it's all your choices. This is in the top three on my list. And I Mm -hmm. I could not agree more. I wrote it down as a morality meter or choices matter. Yes. Uh, as like the way that I phrased it, but it is so nice to feel like what I am doing in this world is affecting the world around me. And you know what? Some games fake it. Like I, I get that. Like there's games out there where they give you a choice, but your choice doesn't really matter. Right. Like the game's just going to go, uh, okay, but at least you're making me think it matters. And that's the yeah. part that I love, man. You know, it, it, games that take that to the next level and they say, hey, if you want to be good, you want to be evil, it's going to start to affect your character. It's going to start to affect the, the characters around you or the world around you. It's going to lead to new quest options or dialogue options and things like that. That's just the icing on the cake for me. But man, 
You hit the nail on the head, Paul. It just it adds to that sense of immersion, and what I am doing in this game is actually mattering to the game itself. I mean, shoot, there's entire games that are based around this. I like it better when it's a game that's not based around it, but you know, games like Detroit Become Human, where that's the whole point of the game. But game a game that did it perfectly would be Fable Two, where it's like you're still trying to get to the end goal, but like your character literally will gain muscle if you do more melee activities or gain more weight in a negative way if you eat too many fatty foods. Like it's hilarious that simple things like that actually affect it. Um, I can't agree more. I love it when games do that and you don't know they're doing it also, where you think maybe the choice matters, but then like it does affect it. Or maybe even sometimes it's just a small addition where you just get a little bit of a different post-credit scene because of something you did and the characters come back and show something different, which I love. I love, uh, what was it, Fallout New Vegas did that. Didn't really change the game in a lot of times, but you had them post-credit scenes that showed you what was going on with characters that you'd helped around the world. <laughs> it's been a while since I've brought up one of my favorite games, uh, Heavy Rain. So go ahead and mark this down on your bingo sheet for Paul bringing up Heavy Rain again. <laughs> this game does it better than anyone else ever has, in my opinion. In Heavy Rain, not to rant too long, but basically you're a dad, your son's been kidnapped, you don't know by who, but you're being left little clues. And if you solve these puzzles, you're going to get hints of where your son is being held. And over the course of the game, you play as multiple characters. Well, guess what? These characters can die at any point during the game. You can have every character in the game die, and it doesn't get solved. You can have the main villain get off scot-free. You can have Ethan solve everything and get his son and rescue him and marry one of the other playable characters where he gets to start a brand new life. I mean, there's even like really dark endings where Ethan still lives, but his son dies and Ethan gets framed for killing his own son and he commits suicide in prison. Like the fact that you can have all these different endings in one game and all of it makes perfect sense in how you got there is really, in my opinion, a masterpiece of gaming and making decisions. Like, I remember one playthrough of Heavy Rain goofing off. I intentionally failed every single trial for Ethan. And at the end of the game, he's pouring over all his notes and trying to figure out where his son might be. And he has no idea. And it's it's just, it's really interesting storytelling when you can have such drastically different endings based on your choices. I, I absolutely love it. I That's a really good example. One thing, this is more of a question, but I, I mean, I'll go ahead and answer my thought on it too, is like, you know, is are, do, you, do you prefer when it's black and white? Like, you know, the Paragon Renegade thing where it's like, oh, I know I'm being a jerk or, oh, I'm definitely making the right choice. I personally like it like the way that The Witcher does it, where sometimes it's just shades of gray, mm. and there is no right choice. There's no clear answer, and that forces you into the, am I saving the orphans, or am I saving an entire like town? Like Which one am I? And that makes my brain spin, because then I go, well, this isn't as easy as, yeah, I took the good route or the bad route. This is like, dude, what, like, what choice am I actually going to make here? What's the lesser of the two evils, and how do I feel about that? I simultaneously both love and hate when games do that. I play almost every game as lawful good, uh, just by nature. And so when it's like, okay, 
you have to pick the less bad choice, but you still don't even know what the less bad choice is because you don't know what's going to happen if you go down that path. I just, I go nuts. But I also love it because it breaks me out of my shell a little bit and makes me do something different. Yeah. I think having the moral complexity will always be more interesting. The the Paragon Renegade system, like in Mass Effect, can still be really interesting, and especially because of the fact that Mass Effect is a trilogy of games where decisions you make in each game carry over to future installments. Like, I've said this on the pod before, but Morden is my all-time favorite character, and he's in Mass Effect 2 and 3. You can let him die in Mass Effect 2, and guess what? Mass Effect 3, it's a totally different character named Paddock, and it's not Morden, and it's a different voice actor. They say completely different things. You learn different things in the world. So the fact that you can even have these characters die in game one, like you can let Rex die, and it's a different clan leader in Mass Effect 2. Or if Rex survives, he's the clan leader in Mass Effect 2. So I really love when games put all that in there. But yeah, the moral complexity I always find far more interesting in uh, areas that are a little more gray. It'd be really interesting if they paid those actors based on what percentage of character uh, players <laughs> kept their character alive. So, based okay, Morden, yeah, Morden, forty-two percent of uh, players ended up. Uh, you know, you were alive, so you get paid forty-two percent of the game sales. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. There's nothing that gets me more excited when I open up Steam and I click on a game and I see tag choices matter. For me, that's number yeah. one. That's if I see that at minimum, I'm going to read the description and watch some videos because I'm so drawn to it. All right, Michael, coming back around to you. I feel like all the things I'm going to say after this now are just dumb compared to that one because it's so important. <laughs> Dude, I brought up pausing. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. This one this one's totally uh, Michael Butler right here uh, because I spend way too much time looking around corners trying to find loot boxes and stuff like that, mm. trying to find like things hidden on shelves or the bookshelf. And so I love games that allow me to scan my environment, call it a second sight, but like uh, Hogwarts with um, Revios, Reve- Revelio. 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 Yeah, Aloy's <laughs> Focus, even Cuff in Forsaken did it, where it's like, okay, I can do this and see there's it a loot Forsaken, over there. It is Forsaken, but yeah. it's called Forspoken. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that forsaken nice, game. Nice Freudian, <laughs> Freudian slip there. Man, this is a tough episode for me. I don't even know what's going on. Um, but games that just allow me to not waste as much time, like looking around in every single, like you know, a prime example, you come up on a little, like a little burned down village, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna fight these goblins. Let's say it's the Witcher, and there's like six little huts in a semicircle, and you go through every single one of those huts, and one of them has a loot box in it, like it has like six gold coins. Let me just push a button. Okay, that one number two right there has the gold coins. I go get them. I move on to the next mission. Thank you, video game. Um, Diablo with, with the highlight loot. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Similar mechanic yep. where it's like you just press left alt and the, hey, everything that's lootable, you know, the name lights up and you know where to go and you know yeah. that you didn't forget something either. So, yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like, it's such a nice thing to just know that I'm not accidentally walking away from something great. Oh, that too. You don't miss anything. It's a better system than things being extraordinarily shiny on the screen to let you know that it's <laughs> evil <loot>. west <laughs> right can i climb there oh it's glowing you yeah talk about negative immersion <laughs> all right josh what's your next mechanic dude i'm just going with the simple things because sometimes it's the simple things in a game that just make me go yeah and i know this is going to sound stupid right but i'm a, i'm an easy person to please too if you make a game where i can pick up 
a cloak or gloves or a new sword, or maybe it's a mace or something like that. And my character's appearance doesn't change based on that. I am oh. instantly disappointed yeah. in your game. <laughs> yeah. When when your gear shows on your character, I like that a lot. And it's one of those things that's really weird because I don't miss it until it's not there. Because I'm so used to games doing this, but I almost feel like either it's lazy or it just I don't it bothers me, man. <laughs> You know, it's like my guy's running around with the sword and a shield. Hey, I got a mace, but my guy's still running with the sword and a shield. And yeah. it's like, well, th- that's not what I've got equipped right now. Like, come <laughs> on. That can go very wrong, too. Like my Hogwarts character, oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to post pictures. He looked like he was straight out of Eyes Wide Shut because I'm running around <laughs> with this goofy white mask on. Currently, he looks like the Mad Hatter where I've got this preposterous hat on top of my head. Uh, but I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you, Josh, and I'll go a step further. I love when inventory systems have different size items that make sense for inventory. So like Diablo, if it's oh, a I giant broadsword, maybe it takes up eight little squares yep. and a little dagger might only take up three where in another game, it's just, oh, well, you can only hold 50 items and that's an item, you know? So I love when it incorporates size or weight into things as well. Yep. Think size is much more fun than weight because it's more immersive. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, you can carry 558 pounds. No, I can't. What am I, <laughs> Superman? But I know that I've got like, you know, 50 spots of inventory and a broadsword takes up 20 of them. Okay, well, I have to make a choice now, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah, that absolutely just makes my day. <laughs> Very nice. All right, coming back around to me. That was yours, right, Josh? It was. Okay. I have on my list, it's actually the very first thing that came to mind, no loading screens in games. God of War, looking at you. Well done. Yep, yep. This is something that's relatively new. Now, there have been versions of this for about 20 years now. Uh, World of Warcraft famously would procedurally load more of the map as you would walk forward, so that way you didn't get loading screens in between zones. And there are other games that took other approaches, like Splatoon, while you were waiting for maps to load, you could play a little doodle jump kind of game on the Wii U with a squid. Anything that lets you have fun during loading, I'm all for. But when you're able to fully immerse yourself in the game with no loading screens, God of War is a fantastic example. Even the old God of War games used to do this, where you would walk up really high stairs, and that's just because they're hiding loading screens. You can be creative and do that. Now, sometimes it's more interesting than not. Like Mass Effect, they'd put you in an elevator where you can't move. And for 30 seconds, you're riding the elevator and it's really just loading content. Like, that's better than nothing. Dead I'd Space Remake that. just did that. I, I just got yeah. done playing Dead Space Remake and it's like same thing. It's like, hey, we need to load some new assets. Uh, by the way, take mm. this elevator up to this level. And it's like, exactly. I know what's happening, but it's so it's great. Yeah. It's better than the hourglass spinning. Yeah. But... God of War does it so well, whether it's pushing your way through Black Fog or where the game is putting you on a lift where now it's just showing you a video and it's loading in the background. So to me, I think that's a, a really good one. I think that's so much based on technology, too. You know, it's where we've come because it wouldn't be possible 10 years ago to do something like that. The best we had is like if you're walking, you know, to a different part of the map and it's like, oh, we have to take this U shaped cave real fast where you make a right, a left, a left, and a right. And it's like, okay, I know what you just did, 
But even that was them trying with limited technology, you know, so it's really nice that we now have like we're spoiled. We're so spoiled that we have this now in gaming because the technology's caught up to do it. Yeah, I don't know that our younger listeners just understand how many loading screens you used oh, to get man. back or, on like PS1. Oh. Dude, not to sound really old, but when you had to change the disc, please oh, insert yeah. disc two. <laughs> <laughs> or disc three right yeah and then you had to, everything game. would stop the screen yeah. would just go to please insert disc two you would have to eject the disc find disc two yep. put it in there and then cross your fingers that it would actually load and pick yeah. up where you left off legitimately you were it was like christmas if you opened a game and you're like oh this is a four disc game yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> this is a big game i'm so excited Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And, uh, talking about modern tech, No Man's Sky, the fact that you can just jump in a plane or uh, not plane, but a ship, start flying, leave the atmosphere and start traveling to another planet. It's loading as you fly. You, you don't get any of the full stop loading screens. So yeah, I think that's such a cool mechanic. I always get excited when games tout that. All right. Coming back around to you, Michael. I think this might be a fairly new one. Um, at least it's new to me. I haven't played a game that did this before, but Elden Ring did it really well. And it adds a bit of a challenge where if you die and you drop all your stuff, you get to go back mm. and get it where you were. But it's not based <laughs> on time. It's like it adds an extra like, hey, now I've got to go collect that. But it's not like based on time. It doesn't expire. It's just it's there until you die again. I kind of like that because it's like it gives you an extra reason to not want to die because you have to go back. It's not like as painful as some old games with their corpse runs, Ugh. but it's like, hey, I can decide if that's really worth it for me to go back there and get that. Okay, I just got stomped by a giant troll. He's 20 levels ahead of where I'm supposed to be, but I dropped 30 coins. I'm not going back to go anywhere near that troll. But if I dropped like 10,000 gold and that's worth a lot of money that's like half of what I've made in the game so far I'm going to have to go challenge myself to go at least sneak around this troll or fight this troll and get my stuff back and it just adds an extra layer I think which is a lot of fun it's a nice risk reward honestly I'm with you on that one it's it's the beauty of that is Dark Souls did this really really well where you know hey the boss killed me I had 8,000 souls on my body now when I go back to fight the boss I need to go get my souls first because if this boss kills me before I do I lose all of that the beauty there is that when you don't have any, it doesn't matter. Death doesn't <laughs> yep. matter at that point, right? Because it's like, well, I've got nothing to lose. So I really do enjoy the risk-reward factor that that adds to games. Yeah, Souls is the only game I can think of that still does that. That's largely been phased it's out. Been a, no, it's mm-hmm. been adopted, actually. Um, still, still oh, Rising Corpse Runs? It. Yeah, Steel Rising does it, but that is a Dark Souls clone, too. So. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Will, will Diablo 4 have Corpse Runs? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll be kind of curious. Yeah, I feel like for the most part, most games, you don't lose items upon death. Yeah, the the hardcore corpse runs is a thing of the past, thankfully. Yeah, no, that's yeah. no fun. Let's not do that ever, yeah. quest, ever again. We, we've heard those <laughs> oh, stories from Josh staying yeah. up until 5 oh, a.m. trying goodness. to get his corpse oh, back. I have PTSD from that. <laughs> All right, coming back to you, Josh. All right, this one, I'm not going simple this time because this is this is something that I absolutely love. And I know that maybe I'm a little bit unique in this. I love it when games do not scale monsters or enemies. Mm, I'm with you. Want to round a corner, go down an alleyway, find some little glade in a fantasy game or whatever, and a giant freaking cyclops rushes out and smashes me one hit and pulverizes me into dust. 
I want to be in a game like Cyberpunk where I'm like, oh, I can totally take this dude down. And then he one shots me. And then I go, oh my goodness, like what just happened? I don't like it when games scale everything because the game never changes. So Mm -hmm. an example is I'm level one. I pew pew something. I do three damage. Okay, great. Well, now I'm level 10 and I pew pew something and I do 30 damage, right? But the the hit points for the monster have just scaled up. Nothing has changed other than the numbers that are flashing up on the screen. And I get it. Like everybody wants to see big numbers before you know what I'm critting for 30,000, right? But the monster has 3 million hit points. It's not any different. The time to kill is always the same. The monsters are always the same. And I honestly, I do not like that at all. I want a game where I can wander around and find something that kicks my butt. You know what I mean? And then be like, oh, and then on the flip side, when I'm level 50 and these stupid little goblins that were wrecking me in the beginning, I want to wade there through there like I am the four horsemen of the apocalypse and just be like, <laughs> I remember what you did to me, you know, feel my wrath and then just <laughs> slaughter everything inside at the same time. I, it's just, it's, it's another one of those mechanics where I've seen way too many games move to the like, Oh, well, everything scales with you. And I'm like, dude, stop. Like yeah. I get that it takes more time to craft the individual encounters, but man, does it add so much to a game for me when, when that happens? Well, I like it because you feel like the power that your character has has been earned. Like you can go back. Okay skeleton with a stone hatchet that i hit for three points earlier and you know it took me like a minute and a half to beat you i shouldn't take a minute and a half to beat the same skeleton with a stone hatchet at thirty thousand hit points you know for every time i cast a spell you want to be able to say that the last 10 20 30 hours i spent in this game actually mattered and like now i'm fighting things that are toe-to-toe with me i'm fighting that dragon the skeleton with the hatchet i can sneeze on him and he dies because i am now a powerful character because i've put these hours in this game to become that way. And that's why it, it's difficult too, because you don't always know. You don't always know some games when you start out, if it's going to be doing that or not. And then you go back to the starting area and you're like, why is this hard? Like this shouldn't be hard. You know, I should be able to just wail on these things. So yeah, it's, it's tough to know sometimes too, which is frustrating. Yeah, I totally agree. Agree with you, Josh. I think that's one thing MMOs have always done really well. And I think that's why we don't see it as often because in MMOs, you had to create your different zones with different level mobs. And so you knew that zone is 40 to 50 and I'm only a level 20 and that enemy's item or that enemy's level is question mark. Don't run up and try to fight it. Like you knew that. And then once you developed, you felt like your character progressed. Now I can take that mob on and you miss out on so much when everything is just equalized based on your level. Now, sometimes that is necessary, like to do multiplayer, like Borderlands does this where they equalize everyone's level. So that way you can play together. But I do think you miss something like in MMOs when someone would carry you through an encounter to help you get gear or to help you level faster. And there is a little part of me that kind of misses that as well, even in multiplayer. I EverQuest did this really, really well, where you could have a low level zone, but they would legitimately throw a Cyclops that would path around the zone. Oh, yeah. And and you better get the heck out of the way if the Cyclops was near you to where the zone would actually report the location. Casual. You know what I mean? So that all the noobs didn't get wrecked. And and it yeah. just it added that sense of excitement, of danger, of like, hey, I'm just farming these snakes. I turn around and oh my goodness, there's the Cyclops. And it's like you were running for your life at that point. But then coming back later on in the game and being like, 
time to take down that Cyclops, man. It's finally time. You know, <laughs> well, and it was just- so. In your example, there was Kazel, the sand giant, who would walk around the oasis of Mar. Remember how cool it felt when you were the dude. Everyone's like, Kazel, run, run away. And you're like, in shout, I got him. Yeah. And like everybody's like, oh, someone's yeah. gonna kill him. And he doesn't he doesn't spawn again for like two hours. So everyone's like, You're a savior, you killed Castle. We can <laughs> we can kill the Spectre safely. It was so awesome. Oh, that's a great one. I, I love that you brought that one up, Josh. All right, coming back around to me, I have a feeling this is gonna be my last one, so I wanna bring up this. I absolutely love when games incorporate music intentionally into the gameplay. All right. Now, let me give you guys... Is it okay if I nerd out for just a split second well, on course. music videos? Depends okay. on if you're going to talk about trombone champ here or not. <laughs> oh, wait. No, that's true. <laughs> no, you need no to trombone this. champ. <laughs> no, and I'm not talking about Guitar Hero. So, for example, my favorite movie director is David Fincher, and he got his start with music videos. And my favorite music video of all time is Freedom by George Michael. And it always bugged David Fincher that he would watch other people's videos and they're making cuts at random times. It's not lined up with the beat of the song. It has nothing to do with the content of the music. And he would always make these music videos that made a lot of sense. So like in Freedom by George Michael, George Michael is not even in the video. He was mad that everyone was so focused on his looks. And so they have the world's most famous supermodels like Cindy Crawford lip syncing all the lyrics and during the entire song every time you hear the word freedom it cuts and you see george michael's jukebox guitar or jacket blow up into flames and so it's the whole idea of like dismantling his public image and that's like a really neat way to where you make a music video make sense with the music and an example of this is like the music levels in rayman legends if you play rayman legends Every single person says the best levels by far are the music levels because you do your button presses in time with the song. And so it's got this little bit of a musical element with it. Now, lo-fi or lo-fi rush, hi-fi rush kind of takes that to the extreme, but I love that we're seeing it in more games. I love when it's a very clever way of working music in with it. Audio and music in general can heighten a game so well, man. Like, just so well. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's weird to me because it's either, in my mind, it's either a rhythm game or it's not. You know what I mean? Like, so is there a game where it's like the music has really, or, or are you speaking directly about like rhythm games? So I'm specifically talking about, like, I can put a short audio clip in here but where you have to do button presses that line up with the lyrics or the music in the song. And so if you want to get an example, just go search for Rayman Legends. What's the name of the song? I think it's called Black Betty. Yeah, it's called Black Betty by Ram Jam. Uh, Josh, you may know that one from your childhood. Yeah. From 1977. That is the song. <laughs> he went way farther than I ever could have gone in that. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. And you're literally hitting attack because they make the level design line up. So 
you know to always every time the bass drum hits you hit attack and you're gonna break through this little skeleton pole and so i love the fact that they include all that in there so it's not just strictly a rhythm game but it's adding rhythm elements into an otherwise platformer or action game and i think that's really clever how they do that all right so we are running pretty short on time here but we got time for a little bit more so michael do you want to like go through some honorable mentions or do you have one last one you want to bring up I'll just do a couple quick honorable mentions without going too deep into them, because they're quick and easy. One, destructible environments are awesome. I love destructible environments in video games. Target on locks. My list. Yeah, target locks when you click in that little stick, because I'm terrible at shooters and aiming things. Let me target that one dude and just wail on him. Uh, the ability to wait between day and night. I love the ability to, be able to wait between <laughs> day and night, because I hate playing games at night. Last one I have would have been my quick one, and this is very, very recent and very, very niche, but the DualSense controllers, Evil West did it great. I didn't have to look at my ammo, because when I'm shooting the gun on the PlayStation 5, the last three rounds, the stick, the, the trigger gets progressively harder to pull until i can't pull it because the character's reloading i don't have to look at my ammo i love the way it's implemented makes it super immersive go dual sense controllers get on pc get on xbox yeah i don't have any of those (laughs) (laughs) um a couple honorable mentions for me i love games where you get to absorb powers from bosses Ooh, uh, what a cool one. mechanic, dude. Um, Mega Man games are famous for that. I will say Forspoken. That, um, yeah, yeah. I famous mean, for honestly, <laughs> Forspoken did actually do that. And it's one of the, it, it, it did. I'm like, cool. I get to use like a lot of water powers now. You could also um, pause cutscenes. <laughs> another one um steel rising we're gonna do a deep dive on that but in steel rising you know you when you kill a boss you get like an ability from that boss and i always thought that's such a neat mechanic i really like when that happens um turn-based combat i know that that's not everybody's jam but for me oh my goodness i love turn-based combat i'm not talking about XCOM. i hate the way that XCOM does turn-based combat talking more divinity original sin and some of those type games and then finally a very quick one active reload Dude, there is nothing more enjoyable than like I have to spend two or three seconds reloading, but I get a little tiny mini game to play while I'm reloading where if I stop the little line at the right time that I get a faster reload or maybe I do more damage with the next magazine. I think that's such a neat mechanic and makes something that's usually mundane in a game absolutely fun to do. Well, it's immersive, too, because like your character, if they're trying to reload quickly, they have to actively try. And now you do, too. I can't remember the last game that uses that, but I always thought that was a really cool mechanic. Gears of War did it very, very well. Um, and Steel Rising, it's not a, it's not a reload, but it's like a cooldown, like when your character overheats. And, and if yeah. you time it just right, you can get more stamina like instantly. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. You guys brought up pretty much anything else I would have mentioned. Uh, a couple of just last things. I put bullet time on my list. Like, have you ever that's been upset? always that with like, yeah. Yeah, like if you can do whether it's Dead Eye and Red Dead, or if you're playing mm. Max Payne, where you can literally slow down and dodge bullets. I don't know that anyone's ever been mad about having that in a game. Like ever since the no, Matrix awesome. came out, who doesn't want bullet time? I think that's awesome. I also really love when you can pair up spells or abilities that synergize together. So, like you bringing up DOS 2, Josh. I love when I can have one character shoot a barrel of water and now there's water all over and now my other character can hit it with electricity and now it shocks everyone who's touching the water. Or like in Dragon Age Origins, one character, maybe a mage, will freeze somebody 
and then another character calls down a meteor and that character will shatter, shatter and they'll yeah. die and it's like either ability on its own would have only knocked off like 10 percent of their health but by combining them it actually kills the enemy outright and i think that's always really neat i love when you have like synergy between abilities yeah divinity original sin 2 went one step further which i thought was really really amazing to where if you had water on the ground if you hit fire it would turn it into steam which is now a cloud and yeah. then you could use lightning and instead of just a little puddle with lightning you had a steam cloud storm. that was electrical now that was yeah like yeah. a giant storm almost and i was just like that is super cool man that is brilliant to do something like that again yeah. Yeah, or using blood with your characters that could consume the blood and use it for abilities. So it's like you're incorporating all this elemental type stuff, which is pretty ingenious. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this bonus round episode. We want to say thank you so much to everyone out there for listening, especially our Patreon supporters. If you want to check out our Patreon page, check that out at MultiplayerSquad.com. That'll get you bonus episodes twice every month. You can also follow us on socials everywhere at Multiplayer Pod. We especially love to hear from you guys. We love getting your suggestions for these bonus rounds, exactly like how this one came in from Toro. So very special thank you to them. And uh, make sure to come back around and check out our next episode on Thursday, where we cover this week in gaming. And I think that wraps everything up for today. So until we see you guys, well, not see you, until you check out our next episode, <laughs> happy gaming. Yeah, play twice if you I am not us. looking yeah. through your window right now, I promise. Right. <laughs> right. All right, everyone. Enjoy clearing the fog of war throughout the rest of the week as you go through the map of your lives. Cheers. Oh, All right. <laughs> yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.